So it occurred to me that it might be useful uh, for us all to have a, a, a unified map of reality. So uh, it came to me to draw a very simple one. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Now we could add, you are here, and put an arrow. That's the zero point. That's what we refer to as Paramashiva. That infinitesimal point of light is what is prior to the manifestation of any universe. <clears throat> now, Shiva doesn't like to be alone. And how can you blame that poor point? <laughs> so what Shiva does first is emanate a field in which uh, potentiality can be active, actualized. Okay? So this is uh, Parama Shiva, Supreme Shiva. There are other levels of Shiva. That's why we specify that. This is the level that is the ultimate reality. And this entire field uh, that nowadays we could call the quantum unified field, although it's actually more subtle than that, and the quantum field is uh, a, a congealing within the field, but the field itself was traditionally referred to in Vedic times as Brahman. Nirgun Brahman, why? because the field itself has no collapsed wave functions and therefore it is unmanifest, its potentiality. When it begins to manifest forms, a world, then it becomes Saguna Brahman, but now it's Nirguna Brahman. <clears throat> and what happens from this point of light is that at a certain moment, Shiva emits a pulsation, and that pulsation expands around it, okay? It, but it will continue to expand until it reaches the event horizon of the edge of Brahman, and then it will contract again. This energy that is expanding out, uh, in, in its expansive phase, we call the pravriti, And when it begins to move back inward, it's the nivriti. <clears throat> this spanda itself, the energy and the information contained in that pulse is referred to as parashakti. <clears throat> the energy is the spanda that emerges and this energy field that science even perceives as an expanding universe, and it is expanding, although not in the same way that they understand, because it's mind that's expanding. This is what is referred to as the goddess. Shiva remains as the point that's transcendent and unmanifest, and the goddess 
this pulse emerges as a world, a dream field that is a world that as it, the pulse first emerges from the point, it's in perfect order, a perfect circle, a sphere actually, of, of perfectly balanced energies. And, and in that first uh, uh, emission and, and expansion, it creates a Sat Yuga, a world in which the perfection of all that is within this condensed point of infinite mass, of, of, of infinite power and, and information and uh, light, uh, and all of the, 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 the potency of God uh, is, emerges as a, a world that reflects the miraculous, the beautiful, the good, the pure, the divine. It's a world of gods and goddesses, not of humans yet. But as the sphere expands, the order becomes less. There is an entropy. And, and it begins at a certain point uh, to become chaotic. And when it reaches the edge of total chaos, that's when it begins to return. But when it begins to return, some of the energies are still going outward. So you have a, a crossing, an interference pattern of energies. And you have both pravriti waves and nivriti waves simultaneously in the field. And this is, is produces, depending on the wave that you're riding as an individual uh, dreamy within that pulse of energy that is the world, will determine your perception of reality. But that sphere will again return to the source. We call that the omega point, or at least Teilhard de Chardin called it that, and it's not a bad name for it. And the word omega, or the letter omega in Greek, comes from om, from the Sanskrit, which is the, the three aspects of time as one of its meanings. And it returns to that point, which we then call the singularity. But that, that central zero point is eternal and never changes. But the spanda, the goddess, separates from Shiva and then returns and consummates union. That is what is happening. Systole and diastole, you could call it as well. The gods breathing in and out. And they say in the Kashmiri tradition, they use a different set of phrases. They say when, when uh, Shiva uh, uh, closes his eyes, uh, which they refer to as the Unmesha state, with a, a dot under the S, when Shiva closes his eyes, that's when the pulse is emitted. Shiva is now asleep and dreaming, and the world is Shiva's dream. And at some point, when the chaos becomes too great and Shiva begins to pull Shakti back into himself, he opens his eyes. That's called the Nimesha state. And as soon as God opens his eyes, the universe disappears. 
So it's not really a destruction of the universe. It's simply God awakening from his own dream. And, and that awakening happens when the dream has become a nightmare, has become too chaotic, and has lost its uh, archetypal coherence and beauty and goodness. And then Shiva wakes up and, uh, and then emits another pulse and says, let's do it all over again. So we are now in the final moments before the omega point in, in which these uh, pravritti and nivritti waves are both present and there is both the ability to be in the state of the unmesha or the nimesha. And when one is in the nimesha state by having returned to the zero point then for that individual level of consciousness, <clears throat> the universe will no longer have any reality or any effect upon one's being. One will have awakened from the dream, even if a, a phenomenal field of energy remains, but <clears throat> it will be perceived as it really is. And in the same way that on your computer, you can, you can go to some website or some video and, uh, and you'll see a, 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 a story, a scene, as if you're in some space, <clears throat> and then you turn it off and it's just a bunch of dormant pixels, right? In the same way, the world is made up, we would say, of voxels, which is a pixel that has volume. And when the energy strikes these voxels, they create collapsed waveforms, which produce uh, entities, beings, animate and inanimate, all of the aspects of, of the universe uh, made up of the energy and the intelligence of that infinite consciousness. Uh, and, and it begins to morph depending on where the wave is, but there's a, a constant morphing. And as the morphing becomes more accelerated in, in the end, as, uh, as the energy pulls back into Shiva, there's an acceleration of time. More things happen per minute than, than one can even keep track of. Everything is shifting. The ground is literally shaking under us, and, uh, and the world is changing too quickly to, to even know where we stand with anything because uh, nothing stays the same. <clears throat> and one of the key uh, uh, elements, well, before I go there, let me say that at the end, Shiva manifests in two forms. Uh, and, and this is the time when uh, the, the union of Shiva and Shakti create, a, as, the, as the pulse of the spanda returns to the source, create a, an electromagnetic energy field that produces extraordinary paranormal effects, 
signs and wonders, synchronicities, extraordinary events within the phenomenal dream field that are awesome, astonishing, unprecedented. And uh, the, the field, depending on whether you're riding a pravritti or a nivritti wave, will produce an effect that is referred to in, uh, in the Kashmiri uh, tradition as the Tandava, the dance of Shiva. This is the dance of Shiva now. He's dancing the Tandava on the dwarf, <clears throat> which is the human ego, and uh, within a ring of fire, the universe is being both destroyed and redreamed through the dance. And so they say there are two forms of Tandava. There is the Rudra Tandava, and there is the Ananda Tandava. So, we are experiencing the dance of Shiva either as a, a waltz of love or as a wild uh, uh, death rock uh, metal uh, destructive sounds. But the Tandava, the dance of transformation that both ends uh, the world of Kali Yuga and dances into creative manifestation, a new Satyuga, is all happening now at the same time. And so in the Kashmir wisdom schools, the Trika Shaivite schools, they say that at the end Shiva appears in two forms. One form is Bhairava, which is the, a later edition of Rudra. Rudra is from the Vedas and, and uh, Bhairava, which has a lot of esoteric meaning, but I won't digress into that. Let's see, Bhairava. This is the fearsome form of, of Shiva, the destructive form, the form of the, well, for a yogi, fierce equanimity, but it's fearlessness, and, uh, and it is uh, a complete joy in seeing uh, a hell realm be destroyed. It's not at all uh, something to be uh, unhappy about. And Shiva also appears to yogis in the form of Shankara. Shankara is one of the epithets of Shiva that we don't talk about all that much, but it's probably the most important one. And if you remember the Sanskrit, Shan is, is from the same word we get Shanti. And so Shankara is the bringer of peace. He gives peace to your heart in the midst of the difficult situation when the world is falling apart and everyone around you is falling apart, uh, and Shiva uh, enables you to remain in serenity and detachment and non-reactivity. So Shankara is the one that yogis want to invoke. But when there are uh, adverse conditions, one then wants to be able to invoke Bhairava and face that with fearlessness and authority. So we need to recognize that these are two faces of God 
that both of them are our own uh, nature and that we have to be able to wisely discern when it is appropriate to show which face. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.